Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my friend Troy Holt. Troy, how are you doing this evening? I'm well. I'm excited to be here with Ben and, and be a part of his uh, podcast. Well, I am super excited to have you here. Do you mind giving the listeners a little bit of a pump up? Give yourself a pump up, inflate your ego a bit, let your uh, wings fly so that we can uh, deflate that over over the next hour or so with our uh, failure conversation. Yeah. So for those that don't know me, uh, my name is Troy Holt and I own a company called Troy Holt Consulting. And I'm, I'm the CEO business. Uh, uh, I'm the, look, see, I'm already messing up. See, failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the CEO and uh, the CEO stands for chief encouragement officer. My title is my personality. And uh, I'm on a mission to eliminate financial literacy. I'm in the business to help educate people about financial literacy. I've been in the industry about 14 years. Uh, I'm sorry, 22 years, but licensed in 14 states. And that's insurance license. And, you know, I've been married going on 31 years, have a 28 year old son, three grandchildren who I adore. And uh, I'm just excited to be here. I'm a John Maxwell coach, certified coach, speaker and trainer. And I I do have a podcast also called Troy Talks. Uh, So that's a little bit about me pumping myself up of being. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Chief encouragement officer. Did you come up with that or did you hear that somewhere else first? Well, I think I. I heard it somewhere else first, but uh, when I when I do like on Clubhouse, when I do my introduction, I say my title is my personality, and it is I'm I'm a encourager by heart, always been even before I came up with the title. If you talk to people who know me, they'll say Troy is always trying to encourage people. So yeah, that's my personality. So it seems like encouragement in your field, or at least financial literacy. That might be difficult because a lot of people don't like talking about finances or money or have weird, yeah, weird issues wrapped up in that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is. You know, sometimes people are ashamed where they are, you know, at a certain age. Uh, sometimes uh, people are ashamed because they are ignorant and don't know. And then sometimes even in my community, the African-American community, sometimes it's really hard because sometimes some of our people hadn't made it a priority. So sometimes it can be hard. Yeah. Well, it's really difficult. I know when I was growing up, I didn't have any good financial role models in my life. Right. You know, right. uh, I was the first one to go to college, that kind of thing. So I didn't, I wasn't able to to glean advice from those who I was brought up by. And I also saw usually frivolous spending and not the right, right. things. <laughs> yeah. So it can take a lot of time to unlearn some of those things too, especially mm-hmm. if you haven't um, spent a lot of time dealing with it. So mm-hmm. what's your approach to, if you just starting out with a new client, you don't know anything about them. What are the things you like to find out about first to to figure out where they're at? I like to, you know, first of all, make them at ease and find out what is it that, you know, they want to accomplish? What is it that, okay, so if if money wasn't an issue, what is it that they would like to do and want to accomplish? And so I try to get them to talk to me and open up, you know, just kind of paint a picture 
because it's different from everybody. You know, some people say, hey, I want to retire at a certain age and retirement might be they still working, but they're they, they're able to do whatever they want to. So it's different from everybody. Somebody else might say, hey, I want to just travel. Uh, so it's getting them to open up to tell me what is it that they want to accomplish if money wasn't an issue. That sounds like a good idea because you're already putting them in the forward looking, thinking of the place where they're going to go. Correct. Not where they're at. Right. And like get mired and all that. Right. Where, you know, the, the the shame and everything you mentioned, put them in a future state where they're getting what they want. And then that way you can figure out how to, how to lead them there. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We just kind of set up a, a plan or a blueprint or a roadmap and, you know, uh, help them to follow that because it's not overnight. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not an instant thing. You know, it, it, it takes time if, if they follow the, the, the roadmap and, you know, they can get there. But we, we know how it is uh, being life. Mm -hmm. We hit we hit railroad. We hit uh, uh, roller coasters and things happen, you know, sometimes it throws off, you know. Absolutely. And so as someone who teaches financial literacy, would you say you've always been a stellar uh, financial person with your own life? No. Do you have any uh, failures along that realm that you did? That's why I'm on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you had some some personal failures that maybe led you to, to realize people need to learn it. Yeah. So I was, I would, I tell people this. So I've been in the industry 22 years. And so I've, I've, I've every, every financial situation you can think of, my wife and I have experienced. So somebody said, well, have you had a uh, repossession? Yes. We had a car re repossessed uh, some, some, some years ago. I've had that. Right. Uh, have you had somebody say, well, you, you ain't never had a foreclosure, had a foreclosure on a house. <laughs> now, here's a, here's the thing about, well, I, I, I'll tell at the, at, the, at the tail end. Someone said, well, have you had a, uh, you never had a bankruptcy, had a bankruptcy. You know, someone may say, hey, uh, you ain't never had a, your check garnished. If the IRS get to you, they mm -hmm. garnish your check, had, had, have had that. Yep. So almost every financial situation that a person can think of, me and my wife been married 30 years, we've had it, we've experienced it. And that's why I, I can I can share with people the failure and the shame of, of experiencing it some of it was I made mistakes mm -hmm. that I shouldn't have. Uh, like part of the uh, like part of the issue when the foreclosure and the repossession, kind of all those kind of happened around the same time. Well, mm -hmm. I, did, I did a career change. I got into the industry. Okay, I took a fifty percent pay cut, so I didn't change. I didn't adjust my lifestyle. I was still spending the money, but making less money. So I didn't adjust, and it kept going on and on on. Uh, when, when I got in the industry at first, you know, I uh, uh, I was excited to get in the industry, and, and they told us that hey, you can make six figures in a year, and and that wasn't true or accurate. You know, it, it it's going to take some time, you know. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm taking a pay cut in a year, I'll be making six figures, mm -hmm. so I could handle a year, and I didn't have preparation when I jumped, you know, and so yeah. so all that you know caused those, and you know, it kind of was a domino effect. But here's the kicker. When I when I when my house was repossessed, I told a friend of mine, I said, in two years, I'll be back. So two years later, he brought it to my attention. He said, Troy, in two years, you'll be back. So in two years, I bought an, another house. I've been in the house now since 05, the same house since 05. Oh, nice. So in two years. Yeah. So so people say, you know, seven years for a foreclosure. Uh, that's not always the case. I was able to buy a house in, in two years. I, you know, I came back. And so what mm -hmm. I tell people is 
is my thing is I never quit. I never gave up. Yeah. And I, and I seriously believe being that even if I made all the right decisions, I think it was designed purposely by God for me mm -hmm. to go through it so I can share with others. Yeah. And you learn the most through failures. And I'm not sure if you're talking about if bankruptcy was at the same time, because I know seven years is what they say bankruptcy takes to get off your yeah, record. Right. Correct. And, yeah. and then there's the repossession of the car and then the foreclosure right. on the house. Right. Those are all kind of happening at the same time, you're saying? Kind of, yeah. Kind of. I think the foreclosure, I think, happened first, then the then the repossession of the car, and then uh probably the bankruptcy. All, kind of all at the kind of around the same time, maybe a year stuff, but everything was was one, mm -hmm. kind of one after another, a snowball effect, you know. Uh, now the 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 garnishment from the IRS happened a little bit later, but that's part of my fault. I should have got in touch with them and, and and took care of it, and I just kind of put it off. I know that game very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I tell people, you know, I'm 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 grateful for where I'm at now. I can't say I've arrived. But I've learned, you know, it's, it caused me to learn some of the some of the greatest uh, blessings and and tools to uh, for myself and my family and also for others. Yeah. And it's amazing. You can know what's right to do and still not do it. I, I I've had similar things. I mentioned the repossession. That was my dad filing for bankruptcy, but he co-signed on my car. So they took that away. Okay, gotcha. yeah. Even though I was making payments, I was like, come on, I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. But uh, yeah. I, I've withdrawn a 401k early. Mm -hmm. which is a, I know, knew at the time, mm -hmm. this is, yep. you should never do this. Why am I doing right. this? Yep. I didn't even know you could take a loan out against it. Right. So I probably yep. would have done that if I knew. Yep. Right. But sometimes you know the right answer, but you're like, oh, but I can use the money for this. I can get so right. much more, whatever. There's some right. opportunity or some kind of appeal yep. to what you could use money for. Yep. And a lot of times we overestimate that versus how much we're going to have to spend or how much we're going to need to live. Sure. And, and a lot of people don't want to talk about budgeting or yep you know, getting on a plan. And so how right. do you get them? How do you get them wrapped around the mindset of that? This is something not to be feared, but to embrace and to track and to actually care about. Yeah. It's, you know, part of that is just kind of, I don't always go in depth of my story, but it's kind of, you know, say, Hey, I've been there. I, you know, I, I know where you are. But one of the things that we try to get people to do, you know, one of the things I tell people I say, well, what is one thing that I can do to change my mindset? You know, what is one thing, it's a simple thing that, that a person can do to change their mindset. And and I've been doing this for years, even during the time of all that, I still was doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's pay yourself first. Now, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a man of faith, so I do take out uh, my uh, support for, for, for God, but I pay myself first. Now, many times I will have to use it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I put it aside and many times I had to go in and use it. But what I was doing, I was conditioning myself and disciplining myself to pay myself first. Now, paying yourself first, whether it's a dollar or whether it's ten dollars, the amount is not the, the issue. Mm -hmm. It's the discipline of because you can't do a dollar. You can't do ten dollars. So if you if you a person can take take a, either amount or a percentage. And I would take 10%. That's how I would do mine. I would take 10%. And mm -hmm. I would pay myself first. And then again, so many times I would have to go in and use it because I was short somewhere and have to use it. But I kept, I didn't stop. I just kept paying myself first. And now, you know, uh, when I did do it, you know, I'm, I'm paying more myself more. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I learned to kind of control my spending and 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 put it under. So 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 some of it though, being is some people don't make a lot of money. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They 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 really don't trying to survive. But even when I was making $10, $12 an hour, I was still paying myself first. So when you say paying yourself first, does that mean money that you can't, that you can do whatever you want with? Or does that mean money that has, do you have to survive on? What is it? What is it? What? I still have to survive. On. Okay. I still have to, like I said, I had, many times I had to go use it, but I was conditioning myself mm-hmm. and disciplining myself to always pay myself first. But would it go into like savings or is this money that you have in a pool to, it would go to savings. Yeah, it would go into savings. It would go to savings. Then many times I may be short somewhere. I have to. I have okay. to pull it but out. Paying yourself means saving it, not Correct. putting it in a spending account that's different from your right. business or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not spending okay. it, but I would have to spend it from yeah. the standpoint I've got to pay some. Some is short, but I never stop. Even during the the bankruptcy, even during the foreclosure, I was still paying myself. I've always mm-hmm. done that, and so now it's just a part of me. It's just it's just a habit. That I'm gonna make sure I pay myself first. That makes sense. And then the rest would be either money that's in the business or things that are on expenses and allocated towards just Correct. paying Correct. things. But the paying yeah. yourself first is at least making sure that you're not gonna be stuck with no right. money and living paycheck right. to paycheck, right? Correct. Correct. And then, you know, one thing a person could do, I thought about this, but I never did it, but I thought about this. So let's say if I had a light bill and the light bill was $300. I thought about, well, why don't I pay $280? Just hold $20, you know what I'm saying? $20 back. Now they may charge me a little late fee for the rest of the balance, but at least I'm I'm still paying myself somewhere. And I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm just saying that's one of the things that I was thinking of, you know, for a little bill here, a little bit there, just to pick, to, to make sure I pay myself. But I did end up doing it because I still just went on and just paid myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it can be tough. I mean, sometimes even people like to trick themselves into thinking it's a point yeah. system or something like that. Something where it's like right. divorce from all the negative feelings around money. Right. Cause a lot right. of times we can, uh, even myself, I find myself, I've, I used to say things like I hate money. Right. And it's a weird thing to say, cause how are you going to get it and keep it? Right. If you yeah. hate it, you know? So when you started out getting into teaching this, how'd you get, how'd you transition from whatever you're doing before to teaching financial literacy? What was the, the process? Yeah, it, it, part of it was a process, but I came across the company that I'm with. So the How Money Works, uh, it's a company that's actually the the main company is called Wealthwave. And so I'm, I love educating people. And so what I found is that they have a book and it's called How Money Works, Stop Being a Sucker. And they cover, is a, the book is an easy read. Even uh, middle schoolers can read it, understand. Mm-hmm. And it just teaches people basics about uh, finance. It covers seven areas uh, of financial education, what we call the seven money milestones, proper, proper protection, emergency fund, debt management, cash flow, uh, growing wealth, and protecting wealth. So it covers those seven foundations. And when I came across the company, uh, I seen the book. And then once a month, I do a financial a presentation last last Monday, each month, the last Monday, mm-hmm. and it's virtual and it's free. And so I do this uh, financial presentation and I was like, this is it because I can educate people and help people and serve people. I have a servant's heart and I you know, want to help educate people, even if a person even don't do business with me. At least I feel good that I've offered some value to help them. Maybe one little nugget 
can help them. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so I made it my mission to, to be a part of this and have a mission to eliminate financial illiteracy, especially in America. And so when people get this education, they can see, okay, uh, there's hope for me. Okay. I got a, I got some, something to, that I can build on. And so, so I've been doing this uh, now. I've been with this company, How Money Works now over a year because I, I, most of our, our products that we use are insurance products. Mm-hmm. People don't like to talk about insurance. Okay. You know, cause I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when you can show people strategies that educate them that using the insurance that they don't like and like to talk about and yeah. use it to their benefit, then it really helps people. No, I I found the same thing with talking about Microsoft Excel because a lot of people, yeah. I mean, either they're using it for that or they just are scared of it in some sense. Right. So they they kind of shy away from it, right. just like other technology. But it especially has like a certain certain repulsion for people who don't like math or or certain things like that. So trying to figure out how to get them right. more invested in in learning something that will help them, yeah, can be a challenge. But I like that you're coming from the service giving mindset. Cause that's where yeah. I started to, I mean, the first eight years of my Excel training, I didn't have ads on my site. I didn't have a way to make money. I was yeah. paying money to, to teach right. people basically. Right. So yeah. it's, it's nice to, to, you know, be a go giver as they say, yeah. and, you know, let, to go actually educate those who can use it because even if you're not making money or making clients off it, just know the impact you're having in the world is important. But I know that you specifically, you're really good with um, relationship management and networking, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, glad you said about impact. And so one of the things being is when I leave off the scene and people come to my funeral, the thing that I want to say or my legacy, I want them to say is that Troy always tried to make an impact. And that's what I'm trying to do is just make an impact, build those relationships. And so my business is based on building relationships with people first before, you know, I try to uh, sell them or offer them something is build that relationship. I had a, uh, I had a young lady that I, that I met on the phone uh, a couple of days ago. So a potential client of mine is HR and referred to me, her company. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing a, <clears throat> I'm doing a class part one this month and part two this month, 15,000 people that works at the company. Oh, wow. Yeah. So B2B kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So, so, but these are individual you know, that works there, the employees. So yep. I'm doing, doing a class. And so one of the young ladies, well, she was 24 year old young lady, and you can go to my site and you can also find my calendar. So she schedules some time with me an appointment. It was I think Monday or Tuesday. And she said she was, she was, she was kind of nervous at first. And so I explained to her, I said, look, don't be, you know, I said, look, I said, uh, I'm here to help. I said, uh, I want you, first of all, I want you to know it's, it, this is, it's confidential. And, you know, I'm here to help you. Uh, and I said, excuse the language uh, or the terminology. I said, I don't believe in a one night stand. I believe in a long term relationship. <laughs> and so she got it, you know, and so I had to make sure I said, well, I said that when people don't misconstrue. Yeah. And so so some people, one night stands, they're going to get you, sell you and they're gone. You don't hear from them. They don't serve. They don't build no relationship. I'm not. It's a long term relationship. So we talked probably about 45 minutes. And so I asked, I said, do you feel better? She said, yeah, I feel much better. She said, uh, you made me okay. You, you, you allow me to relax. And I you know, told a couple of things and we talked. So I said, make sure you had a class and said, after the class, I said, then schedule an appointment with me. And then we go d- a, a deeper in detail, but I was able to make her feel comfortable first. 
And she's, uh, she's got the mindset. I told her, I said, well, I said, I commend you at 24 and you're trying to get this going and getting started. I said, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have that mindset like that then. I said, but you do. And I said, uh, if you keep that same mindset, you'll be way further along when you get my age. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a muscle that you have to work out like any other one. It's just thinking about your finances and all, all that kind of stuff. So are there any big failures that you had when you started out going out into your own and doing all this consulting under the, your early on the 22 years? Were you uh, just kind of uh, flying by the seat of your pants, not really knowing what you were doing? Or did- well, well, part of that failure being was <clears throat> was I took that I took the career change to get into the industry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I didn't make adjustments. You know, I didn't, you know, like I said, I took a 50% pay cut. I was working uh, for a civilian contractor. I'm former military. Okay. And, and I got a job doing what I did in the military at the civilian contractor. So civilian contractors, they can pay decent money. And I was, you know, benefits and paying this. And then I get, I get, go over here. And uh, so I made a mistake from the standpoint of, uh, I didn't, really think it through. I didn't prepare better, you know, because again, I'm thinking, okay, in a year, okay, I, I can take a hit for a year. Yeah. You know, you know, and I'll be at six figures. So I'll be even making more than what I was on my current job, not just at the current, I'll be making more. Well, I didn't make adjustments. I didn't put things, you know, aside. So as, as a career change or as people be going into entrepreneurship, you need to maybe have something aside because if if things happen, all business have cycles, they have ups and downs. Yep. And so how do you get through those downtime? I wasn't prepared for that. But I learned now to make more wiser and thoughtful decisions because it, and it affected my wife, too. So, of course, yeah. you know, so I had to take her in consideration. So 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 those are just some things that I've learned through those failures that if, if somebody came to me, I say, hey, you know, make sure, have some reserves. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 my wife wasn't. She was working, you know, kind of like part time, not making a lot of money. So I'm the main bread breadwinner. So mm-hmm. so we had to adjust to that. Yeah, I think a lot of if anybody out there is hearing, take this class, you'll make X amount of money in X amount of days, or whatever. I'd <laughs> say that that's probably not the right kind of a coach to, or person to be dealing with because right. while right. it's possible to do even six yeah. figures in a year. Mostly everybody won't. So, yeah. you know, True. they're setting people up for failure in terms of True. how to think about that and like how to plan for it. So I, th- I think nowadays it's probably a little bit easier to see through some of the yeah. car salesman type tactics. Yeah. But but back then, I'm, I mean, this was like, you know, early Internet days, right? Yeah, it was 2000. And I would say this out of it was 19 of us in that class because they had a class before and I think a class after. Mm-hmm. And out of 19, um, well, I would say now three, only three are still in the industry. Well, maybe four is still in the industry. And two are still in the industry because they teamed up uh, okay. together. Yep. And they were able to, because of their connections, they were able to get uh, like their parents and they would get a big, the parents had money. So they were able to get yeah. a couple of deals there. And then um, they knew somebody and they were able to get a, a, a big business. So they were able to get some big things. Sure. So, and they teamed together. So that, that allowed them to stay in the industry. And then a friend of mine, we ended up became friends there. He's technically in the industry, but he's a state farm agency, a state okay. farm agency owner. Yep. But, but he left, uh, he went work for Edward Jones for a short while. 
And then he went into, he was a barber also. He was retired Air Force, but he was a barber also. Mm -hmm. So he was a manager for Walmart in the Georgia area for a while. He did that by 10, 12 years. And then he probably now in the last six, seven, eight years, he's been a state farm agency. So he's technically in the industry. And then I'm still in the industry. It sounded like almost none of you were got to where you were from that training. It's just that you have the Correct. the desire, the tenacity, the networking skills. Correct. Right. And then and that's probably part of it. I mean, like just like a good parent is the, the kind who would buy a book on parenting, even if they don't read it. Like that's right. a good type of parent who wants to do the right type of thing. Right. The person who signs up for that kind of a class right. uh, might be the kind of person who's a go getter, wants to yeah. improve their life. So you might have higher odds of just people making it because they're the kind of person who'd go and put themselves in that kind of situation. But a lot of times, uh, like you're saying, most of the people probably didn't benefit that much from it. So it's great when it's people like you and others who I see who are always, always about providing value first yeah, and then developing the relationship beyond that, because it's, uh, it's powerful. I mean, the, the, not only the feeling of reciprocity when you are given value, but just, it is really mostly about who you know and not what you know a lot of the time. True, that's true, Ben. <laughs> and uh, I know you, you've you been good at growing your network. Is there any yeah. uh, tips you'd give for how to grow your network in ways that are that feel good? Yeah, you know, uh, I probably, one of the things I would say, if people, social audio, man, I'm, I mean, that's the key right now. And I don't know how long this gonna last, but if you really wanna grow your, your network, especially from a virtual standpoint, social audio, because Clubhouse, you know, is one that I got started on. And mm -hmm. so you see people like Bobby Umar and me and Bobby do a uh, LinkedIn audio weekly, mm -hmm. but, but I met Bobby. Well, we were connected on LinkedIn, but I didn't really get to know Bobby and the opportunity until we got on Clubhouse. Yeah. And so I, I would come up on stage and speak and add value. And so I tell people, you know, social audio, if you can get on there and then start being on stages and adding value and supporting people. And what it does is people start seeing you that you're one that you're not just trying to sell. You're not just trying to pitch. You're really trying to serve and trying to help. Mm -hmm. and it allows you, I built a community on there. So, uh, so right now, if, if you uh, social audio, Twitter spaces, LinkedIn audio and clubhouse, if you, if you're hearing me, if you start uh, getting involved in those spaces and I started out co-moderating with people before I got started doing my own rooms, you know, and just, yeah. co -moderating, you know, support and help, but it also, I learned. And if people start doing that, then they could build a, a, a tribe or community, you know? Uh, so I think social audio is probably the, it's more, I think right now it's more effective than a person just making posts on social media because yeah. people hear you, they uh, resonate with your, your, your passion and, and, and they, 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 they really connect with you. So I think social audio is the way to go. Yeah. I mean, you and I just talked yesterday on LinkedIn audio and that's why we're having this conversation today. Sure did. Right. Yes. Yes. And Ben and, and, and those is listening. So Ben sent me the link, and then the next day, uh, that day, I scheduled it for the next day. I did not expect that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't mind. I had a, a pretty right. open day. But yeah, yeah, the great thing I think about uh, the audio space is, well, besides it being very difficult to have someone who's disingenuous come across mm -hmm. as genuine, right? Or, like genuine. Yeah. Because it's harder, especially the longer they're on stage 
to uh, have someone keep up that act. You can really kind of see through right, a lot of right. it without, or hear through a lot of it. But I like the low barrier to entry in terms of like versus like a Zoom call or something where mm-hmm. there's video. Yeah. Audio, you can be doing other things. You don't have to always right. be in front of your computer. True. You don't have to always True. be in the right scenario, because right. especially if you're not talking and you're just chiming in every so often. Yeah, There's a lot more ability to do that in your downtime versus some other things. True. And and I like the the live interactivity of it. You know, it's right. uh, it's like happening now. Even Clubhouse with replays, I don't really go to the replays that much because there's something about the the lot the you know the that's happening now that is powerful for me at least. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm not big necessarily on the replays per se, but what I am going to start doing, I think they're big for content. Mm-hmm. So I can take and use some of the content from the replay and repurpose it and put it out there. So so that's why I think the replays is huge for me is from that perspective, but just, I don't just have time to try to hmm. do everything listen to podcasts and be live in the rooms and then trying to listen to replays as much. But, but if I can use it for uh repurposing, repurposing content, I think it's huge. Yeah. Cause you can just save the audio file too. And then, yeah. you know, um, edit it and things like that. Yeah. Stay tuned for more failure guy right after this quick message from our sponsors. Thank you. This is Justin Mason with A Mostly Green Life, the podcast that's making sustainability and our connection to the environment more fun and approachable for the eco-curious. For the people who want to do the right thing, but are confused or maybe just overwhelmed with all the eco-advice out there. For those interested in learning what the best things to do are in any given eco-dilemma, we want to join you on an eco-journey. Wow, that's a lot of eco-hyphens. From health and wellness topics to at-home sustainability practices to conservation efforts we can all support. We'll be talking to sustainability pioneers, regular people like you and me trying to do the right thing and dig into environmental issues without all the politics and polarization going on. A Mostly Green Life podcast is here to save the day. And the planet. (laughs) Well, that might be a tall order, but if we all take small steps together, we can make a big difference and have fun along the way. Stay tuned by subscribing to A Mostly Green Life podcast. We look forward to going on this eco journey together. I do. I'm excited about LinkedIn audio because as we mentioned, uh, that's how we met, but there's only 200 people, I think, right. Who have uh, the ability to host a room right now. Right now it's about 430. They added another 200 a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if they added any more now, but I've seen in the group. uh, So it's about 430 and look like they're probably doing ways of adding uh, people. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm excited because well, a, I think both of our clients, you know, financial people and uh, people who need to learn Excel, my audience is more on LinkedIn than they are on Instagram. Are they more likely to be reached in that way for me? me, Well, only because I don't use Instagram enough. uh, (laughs) I don't use all the platforms to their to the best of my ability. But I think LinkedIn's a a really good spot for that. And since it's just coming out, being being on the forefront of that is nice because I missed uh, I was probably a year late to Clubhouse. So, you know, you feel like you miss out on a lot of the evolution of it and also seeing how things change. So I'm excited to see with LinkedIn Audio, the rollout to other folks, but also just the the changes over time that are made to improve it. And I'm excited that we're kind of in the ground floor of that. Yeah, me too, Ben. You know, I think uh, LinkedIn is going to have. I was on a a webinar, uh, the lady lady was from LinkedIn and she said, using numbers between that and Facebook, she said the average 
average uh, salary on Facebook in America was 32,000. LinkedIn is 65,000. I think it's more, I've seen numbers more than that. Mm-hmm. So with LinkedIn, you have a different demographic. You have people that can pay, have the ability to pay and understand um, that they're, they're there to do business. Whereas mm-hmm. Clubhouse is more social. You do have some business things going on, but it's more social, more laid back. Whereas LinkedIn, mm-hmm. more, prof- more professional, more business. And so I think if LinkedIn get it right, they're going to dominate. Yeah. And I'm excited because I'm switching from, I do primarily B2C at the moment and I want to be doing more B2B stuff B2B, and yeah. that'll be where LinkedIn right, also yeah. is very helpful. Cause you know, right. The, right. the HR person for whatever company I'm going to eventually talk to yeah. about getting them on my course, right? they're probably on LinkedIn, you know, versus right. some of the other places I might meet individuals like right. clubhouse and things like that. Yeah. But it's, it's just nice to have so many options. I'm wondering, cause we're kind of seeing the wild west of social audio right now. I'm yeah. wondering who the players are going to be in a couple of years or how it's going yeah. to evolve. But I, I'm really excited because for a long time, we didn't have this social audio thing. I mean, I guess True. podcasts kind of came along first as like the, as like an audio consumption thing, but mm-hmm. now a live audio chat right. feature. Uh, it's cool the way they different, implementations and stuff different ways of of doing it but but with linkedin its connection to your profile is like super important in terms of growing that following so I th- i'm yeah. just excited about it and i think if anybody hasn't anybody listening hasn't tried out clubhouse clubhouse is a mobile app primarily i think you can do some stuff online but mostly it's a, an app but yeah. uh linkedin if you if you can get into some of these audio events you search for i think hash, hashtag linkedin audio Correct. or hashtag linkedin audio event yeah. And even if you're not one of the people who can host, you can attend one of those. Right. And uh, and yeah, check it out because it's it, it only takes a cell phone or a microphone of some sort so you can talk <laughs> and you can get a lot of value. I mean, the room we were in yesterday, there's so much information yep. given out that it's sure. uh, it's it's pretty crazy. So what do you have a platform that is your favorite of all the socials? It's hard to say, I, you know, just. Cause I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Clubhouse. Uh, uh, Twitter, I'm not on as much. Some years ago, I was I was heavily on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Facebook, I pull I pull back a lot. Uh, I have a group uh, a group there that I kind of put stuff there. So I'm probably more on LinkedIn and more on Clubhouse currently. Yeah, uh, and I'm even increasing my LinkedIn presence uh, because I really want to build a, a community uh, even bigger there than you know all the other platforms. But just because, of, just because of, you know, I, I my my potential clients are there, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, and so uh, so and it's and it's and it's getting more social. It's not a resume hub anymore, or it's mm-hmm. not just a job search, white collar job search. You know, uh, I'm not saying you should go in there and post everything you post on Facebook, but, but people are more receptive. I, well, I will tell you this, the link, the LinkedIn post <clears throat> that got the most views and the most comments <clears throat> was last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Last year I posted about my wife and our 30th anniversary. I posted a picture and I posted a short story and I told how my, how my wife, I tried to talk to her the first time she rejected me, tried to talk to her the second time she rejected me. <laughs> and the third time she said, yes. And I said, sometimes no just means not now. And the 30th anniversary and that got uh, like 50, 55,000 views. And I can't remember wow. how many comments. It's a story. Yeah. A personal story. 
it involves failure. <clears throat> True. If you didn't, if you didn't press on. Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> How did she reject you the first two times? Was it soft? Was it a soft rejection? She just, <laughs> well, yeah, it was both soft rejection, but she just was not interested, interested at all, you know? And so thank you for bringing that one to my attention, uh, uh, being about that, that failure, you know, man, cause I was, yeah, it was rough, man. Cause you know, I couldn't get off my mind. I'm like, man, and I tried all my little tricks and stuff and none of them worked. She was not falling for them. And then one day I waited to the last minute and we was at church. I met at church and uh, waited the last minute. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting down in the car. I said, I said, sit down in the car waiting. I said, this is the last time. If she says no, this is it. <laughs> and so I said, uh, her maiden name was Lindsay. I said, uh, Sister Lindsay, I said, will you go out with me? And that was the question. And she said, when? And when she said when, I knew that was it. So that was April of 91. And then that mm-hmm. September of 91, we were married. And we've been married now going on 31 years. That's amazing. I wonder about all the ultimatums that have, no one ever knew about, you know, like right. if you had said yes, this one time, uh, your life would have been totally different. But the, there was Correct. some ultimatum you didn't know was on the table yeah, and right. that day you felt weird. Uh, yeah. Like, who knows how your life would have changed? Because if she said no. You wouldn't have tried a fourth time, is right, what I'm yeah, hearing. I don't, yeah, right. <laughs> yes, I had made up in my mind that was, that was going <laughs> to be it. <laughs> well, that's awesome though, and congratulations on so many years together. That's that's Thank certainly you. impressive. Yeah. But it is interesting when things like that. So, like, that's basically a social media post that's not related to business right. necessarily. So right. it's funny that that would be one of the high, more higher performing ones. Yeah. So, I, and there's a there's a a, a young lady named. Uh, uh, Shara, uh, she's on Clubhouse too. So Shara, Shara probably now, I, I, if if I'm guessing, she probably got eighty thousand followers on uh, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But she, she would just tell she would just tell a story about uh, how she had with depression. She was a social worker, and uh, how uh, you know she got divorced from her ex husband. Blah blah blah. She tell just tell a story, and her blew up. Mm-hmm told how she kept failing failing you need to you need to get on your podcast she hey, told, connect I, me i'm happy to okay I'll, I'll do that i just thought about this how she kept uh, kept failing the exam for oh. for um licenses for social work i think that's what it's called so now she teaches a course on clubhouse how to pass and she's monetizing it and she's making six figures that's oh, awesome yes that's cool. I, I mean, that's, I love stories like that. I always thought, so when I started teaching Excel, all my stuff doesn't have my face. So it's like screen recorded and I, I'm talking. I was right. like, why do they care? They don't care about what I have to say about right. me. And a lot of times you go to a YouTube video and it's like half the thing is him talking about himself. And you're like, just give me the tip. I want, the, I right. want the thing. So I was like hyper-focused on making sure it was info mm-hmm. and not showing as much of my story. And now I'm realizing people don't just want information. They also want to have a connection with the person okay. as well. Right. So right. it seems like you do a good job with that. Is is that something you've always excelled at or and no pun intended, but uh, do you, and is it something that you've like, is it a muscle you had to flex really hard over time or is it something that came naturally? I am. So let me say, let me put it like this. This would probably help. I am a true extrovert and a people person, but I'm one of the most private extroverts. So I don't always share private stuff. I, I selectively uh-huh. at the right time to help someone. And so I remember when, when, 
when my mom passed in 2014. So when my mom passed in 2014. And so people were on Facebook and I was very heavy back then on Facebook. So people were saying, uh, hey, my, offer my condolence, blah, blah, blah. And people, you know, just kept posting and going on, going on. Yeah. So I finally had to reach out and say, hey, why everybody's asking what's going on? My mother passed. I'll come back with more details because I would just want one go post it on social media. Yeah. You know, and so uh, so that's kind of how I am. Uh, I'm not afraid to share, but selectively. But also my wife don't my wife is an introvert. So mm-hmm. she's very, very, very private. So I have to be cognizant of her. Well, honey, why you say that? Why why you tell people that? So I have to be cognizant of that. Did she hate the 55,000 people who liked that? I mean, the, the amount of reach it made it had. Yeah, I don't even know if I don't know. See, my wife is not on LinkedIn. Well, she she has an account, but she's never on now. So uh is she panic seeing that number, I mean, is what I mean. No, I don't think she'll panic, but she will say something like, uh, who do who who are all these people, honey? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean even if you're not putting yourself out there necessarily being introvert, you don't want right. like, you know, people right. get, getting that inside look unless you know who, who it is and why, but at least it was a, a positive supportive post of her. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And if it was a complaint about whatever being told to do to the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife is, I mean, anything like that being like, like my wife and I, we, we, we got COVID the end of December and into January. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, now I'm not quick to go put some out there, but if I would have put some out there, my wife would be like, well, honey, why are you putting that out there? But my wife would have been like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not afraid. I don't mind, especially if I can help somebody, but I do have to, you know, be uh, a cousin of my wife and how she, it affects her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she's uh, introverted and very private. Yeah. It's weird for me because, so like I share a lot on this podcast, but mm-hmm. I don't post on Facebook ever about yeah. myself or like what's going on right. in my personal life. Cause it's like, right. Oh, I'm not on there looking at other people's stuff. So I, right. yeah, that's part of it. And like, yeah. I don't care. Uh, but also like, you know, I try to be, I forget who it's, who said like, you're more of a social media producer, not a consumer. I've heard yeah. that before. So I try right. to, you know, not be too sucked into it, but also I don't mind sharing when there's, when there's a reason to, when I'm providing value, if it's yeah. like on this podcast, the whole point is to talk about the hard times and things like that. So it makes sense to me. But otherwise, when people are putting like everything about their life online, yeah. it's, to me, it's seems weird. It does. Because you're, you're not putting the bad stuff on there. Usually, right. you, a right. lot of people are putting the highlights True. and then True. living a life that they're, or pretending to live a life that they're not necessarily leading. And I think that's why this kind of thing is important because you need to talk about the struggle. I mean, yeah. to become successful, you have to fail and you have to get comfortable with messing up, you know, making mistakes. True. And trying try new things. True. True. So before we get to like the forward looking stuff, is there anything else on failure on the subject of failure that you want to mention to the audience before we start talking about like where you're headed? Yeah. One thing I want to say is remember uh, failure is an event, but defeat is a spirit. So what I mean by that is failure can be a one time event. But if you get in a spirit of defeat, you give up and you you quit. So failure doesn't mean that a person uh, uh, is a failure. It just means that that something didn't work out. uh, They didn't have success, but they can get up and and move forward. And the other thing I want to say is we we learn more in failure than we do success. And so take, for example, if a person uh, is taking a test and most of the time if the test is a 70 point 
100 point test and passing is a 70. If a person makes a 69, probably 99% of the time, they don't care about the 69. Mm-hmm. They want to look at the 31. Why did I miss it? How did I miss it? That's where the learning come from. That's where the growth come from mm-hmm. on the mistakes you made because you already got the, the, the 69. You care a lot, care, care, care less about that. Mm-hmm. So I tell people that, <clears throat> that you learn more on the, uh, in the valleys than you do the mountaintops. Uh, see, when you're on the mountaintops, you know, everybody wants you. They're, they're your friend and, and, and they want to come around you to support you. But when you're in the valley, in the low places mm-hmm. and the failure, that's when you have your true friends because because they're gonna with you when you when you're up or when you're down. And so yeah. just remember that those that uh that when you were nothing, when you were low, when you were failing, and those that stick with you, don't forget those people when you get to the top. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with you know, failure not being a final destination, but it's yeah. it's you know a stepping stone because Correct. the really the only true failure, as you mentioned earlier, is quitting. Correct. When you when you shouldn't. Um, because that's the ultimate failure is not like, you know, not doing the thing, you know, you should do out of fear of failure or fear of doing the thing. So, uh, I think a lot of people tend to, uh, over hype in their mind, the amount of hurt they'll get if they Mm -hmm. pursue something and it doesn't work out versus what they could gain from doing that thing. And, and like the, the hurt and the worries is a lot more real for them than the possible success. And usually if, if you fail, uh, like, let's say you want to go make a business tomorrow doing whatever, Mm -hmm. if it fails, there's like 10 people who saw you fail. I mean, it's not like everybody saw you fail because you don't have a business and you don't have like an audience. Right. Uh, So it's like, you're usually making these mistakes in front of a very small audience in order to then get the skills to not make those mistakes in front of bigger ones. So fail, you know, smaller at first or fail big. Either way, you should be trying things out. You should be doing new things. And like even our discussions, hearing how we failed, Mm -hmm. hearing about a foreclosure, it's totally different than actually experience a foreclosure because you will not forget how (laughs) difficult that and how lengthy that process was just to get back to where you want it to be or like, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's amazing that even, even when sharing it, you really got to experience it sometimes in order for it to actually stick. True. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card, which is similar to the monopoly card, the get out okay. of jail free card. But what you can do is you can use it to pursue a passion or a hobby or a thing that you've avoided or didn't do because of the amount of failure that would be involved. So some people say like, I'd be an actor, I'd be a dance, a singer or whatever. I maybe working out is a problem. Whatever the thing would be, is there something in your life you'd use a get out of fail free card so that you didn't have to uh, fail at whatever that is? Probably get out of fail free card when I probably would use it. May, probably would, 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 would be to go to school. Not now, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. if I had. Yep. Go to school and get my bachelor's, have a social, get my bachelor's and become an attorney. Oh, okay. So you wish you were in what kind of law? Probate. Oh, what's, I, I guess I don't know what that even means. Uh, wheels and trust. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. you, you didn't know that then this is, an, this is what you would have done with your yeah, knowledge yeah. now going back. Right. Probably, yeah. I, I, I definitely would have went to school uh-huh. and got my bachelor's because uh, I failed where I didn't go to, I didn't, when I got out of school, I went to a tech school for about five weeks and I quit because 
I was working and I was dating this girl and then trying to go to school and, and all I couldn't handle all these things. Some, some had to go. Obviously the girl, the girl took priority. Right, yes. <laughs> yes. Some had to go girl. I, I, I always liked her for years and we finally hooked up. Uh, I couldn't let my job go because I had a car note. You know, I was sure. I was young, so I let school go. And then probably a month later, man, her broke up. You know. <laughs> yep, that's how um, it is. Yeah, but hey, prioritization. You know, you learn you learn from that, I'm sure as well. And then what's the what's the next thing you're gonna fail at? Is there is there a new endeavor, a new thing you're you're going towards that you haven't, even whether it's the LinkedIn audio thing or any of these things uh, that you're gonna fail? Well, I say instead of fake it till you make it, fail it till you nail it. So. What's the next thing you're going to fail at until you get better? My, my business continue to grow that, I, you know, I think I'll continue to fail at, at that, you know, make mistakes here and there. And, uh, but I'm, uh, have made in my, my made up in my mind not to quit and not to give up. So, uh, the new ways of, uh, reaching more people that you're considering or new vent, like ways of marketing the business or any kind of like- yeah, marketing the business building because I can build a team. So building the team and marketing the business. Yes. So I think I'll make uh, a ton of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but it won't quit. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear you won't quit. Yeah. Where can people, the listeners go to find you? What's the best place where they can connect with you? Sure. One place they can connect with me is on my website. It's troyhope.com. They can go to my website uh, and find me. Also, LinkedIn and Clubhouse. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm under Troy Holt. And Clubhouse, I'm under Troy Holt. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, um, Troy D. Holt, under Twitter. Uh, and then Facebook, I have a few pages. Uh, do I have a Troy Holt? Yeah, I have a Troy Holt Facebook mm-hmm. page. A few pages. I forget uh, what yeah. I have all the time. <laughs> right, Yes. <laughs> So, but if you really want to connect with me, uh, LinkedIn is probably one of the best place. Uh, if you want to connect with me and interact with me, LinkedIn and Clubhouse, but I do have a website, troyhold.com. Well, I will make sure and put all those in the show notes, including a link to your podcast you said you have as well. Yes. I forgot about that. Uh, podcast is uh, titled Troy Talks. Troy Talks. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to put that in there. I appreciate you joining and uh, sharing some of your failures with us. And I look forward to uh, to talking with you more on LinkedIn. Ben, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.